Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. Oh, yes, it does. And welcome back to the show, everyone. Today is Thursday, February 27th, 2014. I'm Alan Smith, along with Donna Smith. It's Truth About Trucking Live and Blog Talk Radio. Glad to be back on the air, and I'm just sitting here watching my phone lines fill up. Uh, Donna and I was just kind of cracking up here. It's just uh, uh, everybody just coming on here listening. Got some hands up, ready to go, ready to roll on this open forum this evening. So, Donna, you're over there all set, ready to roll. You got everything up? I think I do. All right. Now, what what area code did you say um, Anthony would be calling in from? 801. 801. Okay. I'm scrolling down here. I don't see 801 yet. I've got them from uh, just about everywhere else, but... Hey, we'll get rolling here, and he might call in a little bit later. Sam's on the line. Richard Wilson's on the line. New Jersey, Texas, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Florida. They're just kind of all over. I'll have to kind of keep my eye on it, and uh, we have 50 lines. I'm scrolling down here, but I don't see an 801 yet. So, uh, But anyway, welcome to the show, and we have our chat room up. Uh, it's, well, I've got a few people in there coming in, so glad to have you this evening. Open forum, we're going to focus on uh, President Obama's order for the DOT and EPA to, to uh, develop the um, uh, NPRM, the Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, by March of 2015 to, uh, once again, you know, try to increase the fuel efficiency standards, uh, not just for big trucks, but for vans, pickups, and cargo vans, and trucks, and a little bit of everything, and uh, calling on uh, more technology. Uh, technological uh, innovations and alternate fuels and all the things we've been hearing through the past several years. Um, uh, once again, it's an open forum. You're welcome to join us and ch- jump in. And uh, we do have a couple special guests that will be joining us uh, who are very knowledgeable in uh, this type of technology. We have uh, Mr. Samuel Burlam. He's a CEO, President, Chairman of Extreme Energy Solutions. And you can find them on the web at ExtremeEnergySolutions.net. And uh, I believe Anthony Evans, he's the founder and COO of Onboard, uh, Onboard Oil Tech uh, on the web at OnboardOilTech.com. Uh, I don't see him up there yet, but he should be calling in, and uh, we'll have their knowledge uh, also. Uh, I see Richard Wilson with TCRGConsulting.com is already on the line, and he's the regulations guy, so we'll hear from him. But you're all more than welcome to jump in as we get rolling this evening on Open Forum, Increased Fuel Efficiency Standards, NPRM, and it's all coming up on Truth About Trucking Live. Stay with us. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. 
Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment, and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here from Truth About Trucking Live and AskTheTrucker.com and I want to tell you about TCRG Consulting. TCRG is a division of Transportation Compliance Resource Group and with over 30 years of compliance and regulatory training and consulting, they are the company that can help you from the very startup of your new trucking commercial business to keeping your company compliant and up to date on the ever-changing federal motor carrier regulations. Their goal is to help their clients to comply with the FMCSRs. TCRG Consulting makes your DOT compliance easy and understandable, and they work hard to prevent interruption of your daily operations. So if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. Their services include obtaining DOT numbers, obtaining operating authority, new entrant carrier setup and training, driver qualifications, driver drug and alcohol training, maintenance records, CSA carrier reviews and counseling, data queue filings, plus a whole lot more. Their online special for drivers and owner-operators is offering a yearly consulting service for only $99. So for $99 a year, you have access to online compliance chat, free telephone consultations up to 15 minutes per call, data queue filings, and you'll be able to keep up with the ever-changing regulations with an expert, not the guy or gal in the truck next to you. So for more information, go to their website at tcrgconsulting.com or Email them at regguy at comcast.net. You can get a quote or ask an online question. So remember, if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. TCRG Consulting, information and assistance to help you comply. Check them out, tcrgconsulting.com. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, it's uh, open forum. Thanks for being here, everybody. Everybody here on the listening lines and the chat room, appreciate it. We're going to get rolling here. I was scrolling through all the uh, all the listeners on the line, trying to um, pinpoint who everybody was, but they're just they're just all over. Donna, we're just going to have to uh, <clears throat> play it by ear here. We'll welcome up first, though, uh, one of our guests for our open forum, uh, Mr. Samuel Burlam. 
of, of ExtremeEnergySolutions.net. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Uh, it's good, good, good to hear from you again. You were on a show. I was looking back. You were on our show about nine months ago. So boy, time flies. But glad to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back and uh, be able to contribute to the community. Well, let me see if I can find uh, Anthony here, but Donna, I'm just not seeing it, so um, I'm not sure what number he's Try on. that weird number. Uh, well, the hand went down, so see, I've got two. I've got two numbers with all. Okay, let me try this one. <laughs> I bet this is him, perhaps. Anthony, is that you? Yes, it is. Hi, Alan. There you are. Hey, your, Anthony. <laughs> your number, uh, your number was showing up as all one, so it was kind of throwing me. But uh, glad to have you here. This is uh, uh, Anthony Evans of uh, OnboardOilTech.com. So, Anthony, this is the first time on the show. Glad to glad to have you. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. Glad to be on the show. Thank you. Well, we're going to we'll get to the callers here in a little bit. I know Richard Wilson's he's a regulations guy and a caller from New Jersey and we've got several here. We'll get to those callers real quick here as soon as we can. But Sam, I know you just got a little bit of time with us. You've got about twenty, twenty or thirty minutes or so with us. Um let's just kinda of start with you. Tell everybody just real quick again, uh you know, uh, reacquaint them with who you are, ex- extreme energy solutions and that kind of thing and we'll get rolling. Sure. Uh I'm the CEO of Extreme Energy Solutions, which is a uh, developer and manufacturer of uh, emissions reduction, fuel economy technology, both hardware and software. Uh, We work in conjunction with the aftermarket, but we also work with with vehicle manufacturers and engine manufacturers. So we're kind of on both sides of the marketplace, um, which is my core focus. My secondary focus is uh, I'm an investigative uh, reporter for the Alternative Press with the Cop Green Lane, where we kind of focus on uh, policy around energy, environmental sustainability, uh, economic policy, a lot of legislation. Uh, you know, we're, we're in D.C. pretty hot and heavy, uh, so we're on top of these issues pretty good. I also sit on a committee um, called the Group uh, for Not called Sustainable Jersey, which provides advisement to municipalities uh, on how to adopt green practices and, and help them search for solutions to different, uh, all different types of, uh, of green initiatives, but I, I mainly focus in on, on, their fleet, uh, on their fleet issues. So that's a lot of what I do um, and, and, you know, really kind of addressed a lot of these issues from, a, from an objective perspective using the uh, you know my my training as a journalist so that I can kind of get and hear both sides and, and try to offer some some resolve to that all right yeah and I'm glad you're both here you and Anthony and Anthony you're on uh, onboardoiltech.com and uh, let's see y'all are out of Utah correct that's correct yes well, tell us, tell us real quick. We'll just kind of hear from both of you real quick here, and then we'll kind of bounce back and forth. Tell us a little bit about Onboard Oil Tech, what you guys do, and a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, Onboard Oil Technologies, uh, we've been start working on this project since uh, 2010 and putting units across the country as far south as Santiago, Chile, to as far north as uh, Prudhoe Bay, Alaska, 
doing some beta testing and uh, focusing on the efficiencies of keeping the lube oil clean for a long period of time. And one of the things we realized was uh, not only pulling particulates out is a vital uh, component to keeping the lube oil clean, but the liquid contaminants are actually more harmful for the oil, which causes the nitration oxidation process. So Onboard Oil Tech came up with this design that's called ECVD, that's Evaporation Convection Vacuum Dehydration, which is the real uh, contributor to the efficiencies that we've been able to generate as we uh, push forward into conservation and minimizing our waste oil stream and oil lube oil production uh, or consumption, I should say. And so, Onboard's got a manufacturing plant. It's a state of art, state of the art plant down in Mesa, Arizona. That's where all of our uh, machine shops are. Production manufacturing is there, and then our filters come out of uh, filter, uh, Fishers, Indiana. So we're just at the corporate office in Salt Lake City. Okay. <clears throat> hi, every, hi, Anthony. Hi, Sam. This is Donna. And um, I know the everybody's all up in arms over one more regulation. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, you read the comments on social media and they really don't see the need um, for the um, greenhouse gas emissions. And, and you know, it's going to put owner-operators out of business and they're going to be forced to buy trucks. So we kind of want um, uh, your input on that. I know Sam just wrote a, an article today uh, about about his input on that. You want to share a little bit of that, your how you feel about this new uh, new uh, rule that's going to come out? Well, it's sure, interesting. I, oh, yes. Which, who, who who did you want? Who were you asking? Oh, um, well, I, I, both of them, but Sam I was going to ask because he just put an article out today. Yeah, right? he has limited time. So, yeah, Sam, let's just start with you, and then we'll uh, we'll go with Anthony and, and see what your views are on, on this. Sure. Um, one of the things that uh, really needs to be considered is the available technologies to allow owner-operators to keep their current equipment uh, and technologies that provide reasonable return on that. Okay. Hey, hey uh, Sam, you're you're breaking you're breaking up a lot. I don't know if it's your phone or we, but you're breaking up a lot. Sorry about that. Yeah, and basically, if um, you know, if they can comply using technology that's available in the aftermarket, uh, especially products and processes uh, that they can choose instead of being dictated what products to use, I, I think it'll give the owner operators a little more leverage to be able to provide content. Um, the biggest thing is the owner operators have to really be proactive in providing content and commentary uh, when the request for information comes out and the request for uh, proposals come out. You know, a lot of how uh, policy is driven is you have the big boys, which are the engine manufacturers, the Fortune 500 fleets, who are just so happy to squeeze out the little guy. And so they show up the hearings, they provide the commentary, they're well prepared ahead of time. So if that's the only voice that's heard by regulators and legislators, then that's obviously what is going to be adopted. So, so in essence, you know, 
Uh, yes, initiatives are always going to be proposed. I, I feel that, you know, the greenhouse gas uh, regulatory uh, stance as well as the uh, commercial cumulative fuel economy uh, initiatives and regulatory uh, policies, you know, we're always going to be facing this glass ceiling. So when we achieve something or we get close to achieving it, uh, Administrators and policymakers are going to say, "Well, we could probably do better," um, and, and not realizing who actually has to pay the price for those decisions made. So it's really, really important for owner operators and, and small commercial fleet operators to provide commentary and content on these issues. Social media is great, but they should be directing a lot of their uh, heated discussion and a lot of their commentary in a formal letter and, and submit that and be tuned in when uh, where to submit that when the time comes. And I think by well, doing that's... so in the masses, they, they really can make a, a larger impact on having their voice heard and what products or processes they feel work for their fleet. Well, that's why I'm glad Richard's uh, listening in tonight and uh, because he's going to uh, – direct people where where to to make your comments um he's been on a uh, a rant he goes to washington all the time for the mixac meetings and um he encourages drivers to uh send their comments in uh, if if they can't get there to write them in so you know this is this is one more way that drivers can really put their their voice to the test and and get it out there. Um, actually, um, and I was asking Richard, where is this uh, rule? Does either either of you guys know where this rule is going to be? Um, is it going to be just on the DOT site, like like all the other uh, proposed proposed rules? Uh, Notices uh, are my research. From my research and uh, from from gathering up some of the. Uh, feedback from my sources in D.C., it, it seems to be a, a push between DOT is going to institute some rulemaking and some regulation, and then you have EPA that's going to institute it as well. So you have the rulemaking to the engine manufacturers and the, um, and the, and the truck manufacturers. They'll probably come from EPA, and then the enforcement action that actually happens for the aftermarket Okay. Who exercise that through local enforcement action and agencies? Now, Anthony, what do you think about this? All this that came out. Um, do you see it as uh, it's going to hurt any of the new technology or the technology existing technology that's out, or do you think it's actually going to encourage it? No, I think it's going to encourage it, but uh, you know, it's like this information or this recent news release is, is probably not necessarily new to the OEMs, as I think that uh, if I recall back in uh, like 2002, 2003, they were, you know, it, it was already something that was set forward or put into motion, you know, trying to build these engines and increase technology and efficiencies within the larger scale uh, transportation trucks to help uh, become more fuel efficient. Um, you know, I, I think, Donna, you and I had this conversation. I mean, 
if you look at these, uh, all these components and all these regulations that are being thrown out there, it's nothing is helping the trucking communities. It's constantly a burden seat. They're trying to always meet and adapt, and when they meet and adapt to this change or to these regulations, then they've got more of them thrown down their throat to try to meet and adapt. And, and they just can't ever seem to feel like they're ever really getting ahead and running their, opera, uh, you know, their operation or their, you know, their transportation businesses uh, as, as fluidly as they should be because they're constantly being dictated as to what they need to do. And I think it's interesting because this is a very interesting subject since CARB came out for the 2014 regulation for the state of California. And you look at these truckers who you know, are buying these you know, 400 trucks a year in these larger scale and a portion of those had to have a specialized, you know, DPF system back in 2010 and 11 in order to operate into California. So that means 5 or 10% of the fleet can actually go across the border and up to uh, 2014 today. And the rest of it's got to be held back from going across the border. And, you know, I don't know exactly where all that stands, but... Uh, um, you know, it, it's, it, it causes a lot of havoc for these, uh, for these, these truckers and this, this trucking industry. I, I agree with what uh, Sam's saying is that there is opportunity and technologies that should be available at the disposal as to what the operator can go ahead and, and have free, you know, free will to, to acquire and to implement. And I think that they can, you know, say, look, we, we want you to implement in this category and a little bit in this category and some in that category and, and maybe kind of be a little bit more spread out rather than just so firm. Well, um, I'm going to um, – I'm just kind of scrolling down through here. I'll grab some callers here in just a minute. I've got some callers there on uh, Wisconsin, Texas, and Richard, of course. I want to pull, pull Richard in here because he's a regulations guy, but – uh, Sam, since your time's limited, um, with what Anthony said, you know, I'm just trying to see if you guys are on the same, <clears throat> in the same picture here. I mean, you think, uh, <clears throat> you believe this order by President Obama. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, both of you guys, you and Sam, or you and Anthony, you're both innovators. You're, you know, you're innovators in this industry. You feel that this can uh, uh, damper innovation within the industry. Is that correct? Well, my, my, for my take of watching what happened with the Stop the Soot program through the National Diesel Retrofit Campaign, which required all these DPFs to be out there, and then if you look at the enforcement action of CARP, which was in my, in my last few articles, uh, it, you know, they're choosing pit, uh, and picking winners and losers based on who lobbies and based on who, uh, you know, how they can capitalize on the enforcement action because a lot of these agencies basically have to create their own revenue uh, and much of that happens from enforcement action so if they only pick one device at a very high cost and you can't comply with that then you're kind of held hostage to a lot of these fees and penalties and in some cases in California you had many smaller owner operator family institutions you know, shut down their uh, their operation, go get a ride with somebody because they just couldn't afford it. So, you know, there is a lot of opportunity for innovation. There's a big demand of it. Uh, there's 300 million uh, vehicles on the American highways. Uh, 
you know, it, most of the companies that are out there innovating, uh, whether it's uh, Extreme, Donaldson, or whoever, uh, you know, it, there are so many opportunities where, you know, 1% of marketplace is a billion dollars in sales. So, you know, if you want to be able to provide real comment or what they, what the policy, here's the gases that we're trying to mitigate, here's the percentage, and, and free market, however way you can come up with the innovation and spread the word of that, uh, then by all means do it, and, and that will spur a lot of the uh, innovations that come to the forefront. Engine manufacturers would be willing to work with these different types of technologies that are out there and entertain the idea. And the, the fleet owner-operator can find something that works within their budget. And, and the overall winner is, of course, job creation. Because if you have more innovation that has a chance to kind of live and breathe, you're going to have more local manufacturing, more jobs, more technical service and customer service uh, projects and beta testing that's happening. And, and so it's almost like these policies, you know, they have... Uh, you know, they have a dove in one hand and an axe in the other, and they just don't really think about the repercussions of, of what they're doing uh, or how they're picking winners and losers. For instance, the, during the National Diesel Retrofit Campaign, if you want to verified, you know, you need at least $2 million to be able to jump into the pool, and it was a very short window because the, the, the program was dictated by a lab that was already working with so, you know, these things forefront for debate so that, you know, players have okay. the way. The last, the last comment I want to be able to provide before I have to go is that, uh -huh. you know, part of comprehensive tax code bill is there's some initiative there to actually free up free market innovation and provide uh, provide incentive for both the entrepreneur and for the end user, the consumer, whether it be, you know, vehicle manufacturer or fleet owner, to be able to adopt these things. So it's going to be very interesting when the debate regulatory uh, we're losing side you, Sam. in the White House. What's that? We're losing you. You're breaking up. Okay. Sorry about that. And uh, between Congress and the White House, it's going to be very interesting how. I would keep, keep losing them. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Sam, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Well, we, we, we keep losing you there. I mean, I wasn't sure about what time you needed to, needed to take off. I knew your time was limited. I just have another minute or two. Okay. Okay. Well, you broke up a little bit. You want to go ahead and finish uh, finish your thought? You said, you know, it's going to be... Ah, we're losing them, aren't we? And there are enforcement actions by regulatory space. So it's as much pressure... Okay. I... Sam, we're just kind of losing you. You're in and out. I tell you what, we'll just schedule again. We'll get you back on here, and we'll expand on this a little bit more. But thanks for thanks for joining us anyway, but you're breaking up a lot, and we're just kind of catching every two or three words there. But we'll uh, we'll hook up with you again and uh, 
get you back on here and expand on this a little bit more because this kind of this is a very large topic to kind of cover. Uh, I tell you what, let's let's quickly get grab some callers here. They've been holding on here a while. Let's go to Wisconsin, area code nine two zero. Welcome to the show. Hello, Alan. It's Jeff Clark. How you doing? Hey, Je- hey, Jeff. How you doing? Good. Out here in Amish country, avoiding the Indiana Tollway. Oh, <laughs> there you are. What what's your thoughts on all this? Well, you know, I I against the the, the mandates. I, I think that you know the price of diesel fuel. We're doing our best to save fuel. And I've you know, and I've been you know, as you know, I work with Freightliner, and um, I've been inside the Freightliner factories, the Detroit diesel factories. We're working hard. We're working hard to save fuel. You know, don't tell us how to do it. You know, or you know, we'll do it. I, and I, I've, you know, personally, I think if you want to save fuel, get rid of the federal excise tax, get rid of the heavy duty use tax, take the tolls off the highway, and fund the highway through IFTA. And uh, if you if you really want to save fuel, there you go. Well, 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 I mean, it's, I don't know if it's really about saving fuel, but it's about increasing fuel efficiency. Right. So maybe there's a little difference there. Well, we're, that's what well we're like Richard was saying, uh, I'm reading the chat room. I'm going on here, and he's going to Alan's going to pull him up in a bit. But he's saying if you train the drivers how to drive, that's saving fuel, um, oh, which oh. which is a good point. I mean. Uh, I think there's all kinds of ways. I think the one thing that bothers everybody is they don't know what's going to be in that uh, proposed rule. Yeah. And you, you know, when you don't know, is it going to dictate how you're more fuel efficient, how you're going to uh, reduce greenhouse gas emissions, how you're going to yeah. reduce pollutants? You know, it. it at what point will the owner-operator say, well, I can't afford this? In other words, there's technology out there that can do all that. I mean, I know Anthony's going to be talking a little bit later about onboard and all and all it does, and it most likely will meet all the um, criteria set in the rule. However, will this rule dictate something else? And that's what I think um, people are, you know, wondering. Are you going to be forced I, to buy a truck? Yeah, I, I, I hope not. <laughs> and, and I work with Freightliner. I, I'll jump up and down and say, you really want to do something, the most efficient thing is look at the trailers. Um, there are things you could do to the trailers for about $4,500 that will increase your fuel miles by about 12%. You know, and, you well, know. <clears throat> And, and that's why I don't want to see the government tell us how to do it. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the, the, the angering part. Like, they're talking about aerodynamics. Well, if you look at um, Vorblade, um, you know, they have the, um, I forgot what you call them, you know, those little tabs you put on the trailer and the truck. Yeah, that increases the The aerodynamics. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be part of it. But supposing they say, no, you have to use this instead. I mean, th- this is what what I think Sam was saying about the lobbying, you know, who's going to lobby harder to use what product. And 
it shouldn't be. If the if the goal is to reduce emissions and to have better fuel efficiency, then that should be the goal. And if you can reach it with whatever technology that you're utilizing, that should be enough. And, right. uh, and I mean, <laughs> my bottom line yeah. tells me what I'm doing. And, and you know, fuel, if, you know, if I could save $15,000 on fuel, you know, I'm going to try to save money on fuel. It's and it is through the aerodynamics of the trailer. It is through the new technology. It is through the driver. You know, like Richard says, train the driver. They, that's a big part of it. And I don't know how they'll measure it. You know, with yeah, the, the worst driver in the truck. Yeah, but Jeff, you're talking from the viewpoint of a of an owner operator. You and the independents out there, you know, but we can all, you know, I, I you know, I, I'll make the point that, you know, the, hey, not all, but, you know, many of those company drivers, you know, they don't care about the fuel. The company's paying for it. So, I mean, this rulemaking, this new new regulation, if it comes to be, would would be a way of affecting not just owner-operators of independents, but all truck drivers, company drivers, and everybody alike. Right. And, and I, think that, I think that smart companies out there, um, really incentivize fuel mileage for their um, for their drivers if they're smart, uh, and, and they train their drivers and they give them attainable goals. And, and I just will jump up and down and you know say it's not just the truck, it's not just the trailer, it's not just the driver, it's it's all it's the combination, the marriage of the three units. And and for the government to tell me how to do it is just a, no, you know. I care about my profits more than the government cares about my profits. Yeah, well, yeah, I think I can agree with that too. I tell you, thanks, Shank, thanks, Jeff. I got to move along here. Try to get old Richard still hanging on, but first of all, I got to get Texas on here. They've been here uh, for a while too. Let's see, Texas area code two one zero. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good evening, gentlemen. This and Donna. This is Jeff. How you doing? Hey, Jeff. Yeah. Anyway, my two cents on this uh, deal with the fuel mileage mandate, that should be a, ex- exclusively a business decision on the part of the owner-operators and the companies instead of a government-mandated deal because when you really think about it already, uh, we're already having way too many problems with uh, late-model trucks breaking down with all this emissions garbage on them. And now when they want to start uh, doing more stuff to try to increase the fuel mileage, I mean, come on now, when you really think about it, a fully loaded tractor trailer that uh, is, uh, weighs 80,000 pounds and has a uh, reasonably good driver of the wheel is already going to get at least six and a half to seven miles per gallon, pound for pound. That is at least as efficient as the Toyota Prius, if not actually probably more. Now that I think about it, when you do the breakdown and do the math, pound for pound, six and a half miles per gallon for an 80,000 pound rig is more efficient than a Toyota Prius. So. I don't know where, uh, where they think they're going to be able to squeeze this fuel mileage out of the truck. I mean, whoever, you know, if it was Obama himself or whoever it was that came up with the uh, idea of getting the fuel mileage, my question then would be how it would be accomplished. I don't think it can be accomplished. I mean, we did. We almost doubled fuel mileage uh, from back in the day when the old trucks used to get about, you know, Richard also remember this too, between three and a half, four miles per gallon. Now we're getting seven, seven and a half out of uh 
some of the trucks. Even the FLD 120s back in the 90s with the Series 60 pre-emission engine, those were getting between 7 to 7.5 with a good driver at the wheel. It, it all depends on driver habits. Uh, some aerodynamics do come into play and also how well the engine is maintained. Me being a former mechanic, if the, drive, uh, the truck is not maintained properly, it will not get fuel mileage if you don't have all the other things in the equation. So, Anthony, how would you how would you uh, address all that? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Anthony, you're the innovator in this company with OnboardOilTech.com. You're hearing mm-hmm. from drivers. I mean, innovation can they increase that? Can they increase that fuel efficiency? Well, it's I, I think there's been a lot of great discussion that's been happening here in, uh, on this show. You know, I, I think that's an interesting scenario: pa- miles per gallon divided by the pounds. What's more efficient? Uh, I, you know, I just started running some figures here that uh, I'd like to plug in because it, it's something a different approach, a different perspective. But the thing is, is that we're out there consulting with these trucking companies, trying to help make their mm-hmm. bottom line, you know, increase their bottom line, reduce some of their, uh, you know, their operating expenses, helping to lower their cost per mile, cost to operate, or cost to ownership. And the thing that's interesting is, is some of these fleets have figured it out. Just to drop the speedometer from 65 to 63 miles an hour, they're anticipated to increase their fuel efficiencies or reduce fuel consumption. Well, if we already, are con- if we already can uh, get 7.5 miles per gallon out of these trucks, and we've, like you said, we've gone from 4 miles per gallon back in the older days, and, uh, I mean, we've done a pretty good job on the efficiency side. My my challenge is, yes, there's a lot of products out there. Look what they regulated and gave all the government money for the windskirt model. And they put these windskirts on, and you talk to these guys, they're supposed to get 25 or 3% savings in air, with the aerodynamic, but as soon as the guy hits the retread, the skirt opens up and it gets dented. Well, he just robbed any potential savings. And so, right. you know... Where do we end up becoming innovative with good technologies, but then we can also be so disruptive on the backside? And, you know, there's a cause and effect to all of this. So you really have to – I think, you know, as far as with the trucks, I think people need to really have the opportunity to to decide for themselves what does make the most sense and what does work for them. You know, we talk about one driver from another driver. You can't put the same truck – on the road and have four drivers drive it and get the same results. They're just not going to happen. They're going to be different. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, I've got two Jeffs here, Jeff Clark, Jeff Barker. Jeff Barker, uh, uh, your response? Well, like, yeah, I think we pretty much all covered it. I mean, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the uh, government really – Government and the EPA really need to stay out of the truck design business because, I mean, the way I see it is uh, between trying to get the fuel mileage up and the emissions and stuff like that, all the emissions have done is cost a lot more headaches out here. I really don't see trucks running as uh, clean as a certain salesman uh, who might be on the line with us is probably clean when they do. I mean, they might run clean when they work, but how often do they work? I mean, that's the big question in it all as far as uh, clean air, but then we're talking about fuel miles tonight. And, uh, you know, it should be up to us to determine what kind of fuel mileage you get. Because the thing about it is, when you look at our bottom line, increasing fuel mileage is going to, you know, increase our bottom line. That should be exclusively a business decision on our part as drivers, whether we're uh, older operators or, like in my case, a company driver who cares about his profit sharing at uh, 
he gets through his employer and things of that nature. I mean, I I do care about what kind of fuel mileage my truck gets and everything. If it's not running right, I'm going to say something about it. But then, uh, for the record, I'm driving an international Pro Star with a Max Force 13 liter in it, which is probably the worst diesel engine on earth. I'm lucky to see six and a half to mile, seven miles per gallon out of this piece of crap. And I'm a very conservative driver. The truck is governed back, and I have less than 5% idle time. I mean, somebody tell me, okay, now if we get rid of all this emissions garbage, maybe the engine might breathe and get some fuel mileage. These engines have got to breathe. If you got them choked up, they will not get the fuel mileage. Okay, I'm off on the soapbox now, guys. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I, it's, it's, it's good to hear it. And um, let me go back to Jeff Clark and then Richard Wilson, the regulations guy. I know he's going to jump in here, but thanks, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Clark, I mean, you, both of you, Jeff, you all are both owner-operators. And, again, I reiterate, you know, well, this is coming out of the mouth of owner-operators, but then it's all those company drivers out there. But, Jeff Clark, what do you, uh, what do you think? What do you think about what was just said? Well, I totally disagree with about the new trucks breaking down. They aren't breaking down. The you know, they they aren't. They uh, what they do is they give us more information than we've ever had. Um, basically, they'll tell us that, you know, like I had when it was 18 degrees below zero in Wisconsin with a 50 degree windshield. I parked my truck without idling my truck with my battery powered APU, and in the morning I got a, a check engine light. Okay, right after that, I got an email from a virtual technician telling me that the diesel exhaust fluid is sloshing up in the tank. But don't worry about it. The system is designed to accept that, and it won't be a problem in two hours. It'll be fine. And I drove two hours, and it was fine. These new trucks aren't breaking down. What they do is give us more information, and we do need to train the drivers how to uh, access that information, get it from the from the company to the driver, and tell them what to do. You don't want to just go in because the check engine light came on, because the check engine light nowadays might be telling you you don't need to do anything. Um, but it, as far as the diesel particular filters, they're working. Um, would would do the OEMs want more regulations shoved down their throats? No, you know, we're trying as hard as we can. We can. Um, I should say they can. I don't really work for Freightliner. I work with Freightliner. Um, but I'm running a 2013 Evolution now. And over the summer, I was getting a little over eight miles per gallon. Right now, with the cold weather in Wisconsin, I'm getting about seven, a little over seven. So, you know, we are improving fuel mileage, and we're not breaking down. All right. Well, you know, it's interesting to hear, I mean, from, you know, the owner-operators, I'd like to have a company driver on because um, see what their perspective is. But I know one guy that's going to have some perspective, Richard Wilson of TCRGConsulting.com, the reg, the reg guy. Uh, and Anthony Anthony Evans is with us. We're talking with him. He's with OnboardOilTech.com, an innovator within the industry. Richard Wilson is in the regulations. Richard Thanks for hanging on there and uh, jump on in here now. And and uh, what do you think about what all has been said? I agree with Jeff and Jeff and Anthony. <laughs> oh, okay. You're <laughs> taking the you. easy road. <laughs> well, no, no. And, and they, they, everybody makes a good point because from my aspect of the industry, um, 
you know, it's like Jeff and I had a really good conversation today about training. You know, today's environment of trucking doesn't train drivers to drive properly, um, you know, when to shift the trucks. The trucks today shift different than what they used to. And it, depending on, you know, my biggest complaint with this is nobody takes in consideration, Anthony probably does, but nobody takes into consideration the BTU per horsepower to rate weight ratio. And, and the thing is, you have to have fuel in the new engines to produce BTUs, and with low sulfur fuel, which is a, it doesn't lubricate as well as the old ones, but could cause problems. Um, and then when the government steps in and tries to put standards, you know, and, and unattainable um, MPHs, you know, I, I've just, you know, um, it's not going to happen. You can do all the technology, all the computers, and it's like, you know, Jeff, Jeff Barker said, you know, these motors have to breathe. Breathing in any engine, whether it's a diesel, a race car, or anything, engines have to breathe. And when you put secondary systems on these engines that have to do burn-off, I mean, my dad has got a Detroit in his 2012 motor coach, and he actually set a national park on fire when his engine regen because it regened out of the top. And so you're, you're putting these, like, secondary afterburners in these trucks to clean them up. And when you start adding all these accessories, you're talking 30K approximately yeah. on what the cost is going to be to upgrade the current engines or the overall total cost of the vehicles. And there's no way, whether it's a company or an owner-operator, can take the same trucks that they're running currently and put them onto the market at a $30,000 increase, I'm sorry, but there's no money to pay for that because the rates are still down, and 73% of the cost of an operation is fuel. And that's ridiculous. And they put more regulations on these guys and these trucks, owner-operator or company, it doesn't matter. Somebody's got to pay the bill, and we think we have problems right now with our industry. We think we have a shortage of drivers right now. We're not only going to have a shortage of drivers, we're going to have a shortage of people that can afford to stay in the business. Yeah. Well, well Anthony, I'd like oh. to. I'd love to hear his. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, Anthony, you're hearing a. Uh, what seems to be the common perception by drivers? I mean, are drivers overlooking? innovative technology and just thinking you know another regulation i mean what do you what do you think well i think there's a couple of uh you could look at it on both sides but you know really there are some uh you know we are an innovator our technology has uh has really improved some of the efficiencies of these new cummins isx platforms with the tier four emissions i mean when you can take the death yield and go from 2,000 miles to 11 gallons to 4,000 miles on 11 gallons, and you haven't changed anything in the engine besides making a few modified uh, connection points and, and keeping the lube oil clean. And, you know, if you look at that, like we talked about, the BTU, you, you talk about how much heat that regen has to go through, and you look at right. the heat that it has to generate. That's the problem with the idling of these trucks is, is that the soot starts to build up, 
then the thing's got to go through, and this DPF can run for, you know, 60, 70 minutes. I mean, it just depends. I mean, it depends on how much burnoff it has to has to uh, go over the DOC. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, uh, the thing is, is racing. I like the I like what you were saying about race cars. You know, these things have to breathe. If you don't have them breathing right. You're restricting it. I mean, can you breathe with a, you know, when you put a washcloth over your mouth, it's hard to, <laughs> hard to function. <laughs> uh, what else can I say? And, um, you know, well, we, you know we, we, that's one of the keys to what we do in this business, and this is why I developed this design, is, you know, 8,000-horsepower top-field dragsters, okay? You, you release the crankcase pressure by using the air intake, so you equalize pressure. Yep. You can get 100 horsepower by doing that. Right. Well, you take that, uh, the principle hasn't changed, and so now what are we doing? Well, we're doing uh, high-performance dry sump capacities in big block V8s. Why? To, to, to eliminate the slop, right, of the crankcase going through the, the, you know, the oil pan, right? right? So that's efficiencies, and that's called restriction, and it's the same thing as breathing. And if you increase that, then you're going to decrease your efficiencies. So well, you, you know, take them out of the equation. And I, Donna, you know, we we talk about we talk about this a lot too. I mean, the, the innovation, technology. I mean, we're big on that too. But you know, it always it, it always comes down to like we heard from Jeff and the drivers and and every it's a, and what one thing Richard brought up the thirty thousand. It's a financial obligation. Yeah. You know, I mean, the what about the owner operator, the independents? I mean, can they? You know, like you said earlier before the show, what if they have an 08 truck, and now in the year 2018 they got to buy a new one when the 08 is just fine? That's right, and it hasn't even depreciated. Right. I mean, the lifespan right. hasn't even depreciated the asset value. So what have you done? I mean, this is this is the problem, and and the reason why we got into this is because we felt that if you can keep the lube oil clean and free from from the particulates and degrading and maintain lubricity throughout the process and you can increase that life and you can reduce the scarring and the scoring over the time frame what you've done is you've already increased your efficiencies because therefore you get less blow by you get less wearing which helps to create maintain efficiencies in the combustion chamber which also reduces the pollutants going out from the hydrocarbons that would build up on the doc um, so if you free all this up in this process and you can help improve the way the system functions from the starting point rather than always at the ending point, um, you know, we can make a big difference. And that's where we need to put the money back into the uh, owner-operator's pocket or these fleet's pocket. Is we always Our campaign is stop putting money into waste oil generation and put money back into education, okay? Because these, like, I, I'm going on one more tangent real quick. The school districts that I've just met with are dumping their oil every uh, 45 days, whether they tested it or not. They're doing unnecessary mm -hmm. oil changes. And at $330 a pop times 1,600 buses times by a year, well, that's a lot of money. You throw on something that you can now cut it down, maybe only do it twice a year. How much money have you saved? Right. Um, I, you know, I have, a, I, I have a, a question, and, you know, sometimes I come up with these dumb questions, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, with this new proposed 
uh, rule. Um, and listening and understanding uh, your website with the technology that Onboard has, it sounds to me like what you have is going to meet the criteria. Um, I mean, wouldn't that be enough if your goal is efficiency and and uh, and uh, reducing greenhouse gas emissions and pollutants and uh, uh, the liability for um, for the oil? What what more would the driver need? I'm trying to figure out where the thirty thousand dollars comes in for the truck. Is what I'm saying. If if you could just put one of these on your truck, and now you, all of a sudden you meet all the criteria, established all the standards, then um, where's the extra money coming in? Well, that's, that's, uh, that's exactly where we stand. Yes, you could put this device on, use our technology, increase your efficiencies, reduce your operating costs, and meet several objectives. Waste oil, oil consumption, fuel efficiencies, and and some on the emission sides, but these engines, you know, d- depending upon what year we're talking. But the real question is, is it takes the owner operators and it takes the fleets to adapt to technologies like this, run it through their organization, start to show how it can be efficient, and then you got to go back to what. Uh, uh, Sam was saying earlier, I think it was Sam, Sam was saying, we've got to go back to the lobbying effort now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to, it's a chain, it's a, it's a chain reaction, and we have to start somewhere. And, and, and that's what our job is. I mean, our job, we, we're trying to consult with the owner-operator. We didn't design this to be expensive for the operator. We designed it to generate a return for the operator because we know the scrutiny and the pain that these guys are having to go through. And we want to help reduce that, and we want to simplify that, that process. Hey, Richard, what, what, have, uh, what are they wanting, do you know in this proposed rulemaking notice, um, what are they wanting to increase the miles per gallon to? Is that mentioned anywhere, or have you heard? No. No, they haven't actually given a number yet because I think no. that it, it was a typical um, current administration was just jumping in there and trying to have a feel-good thing. But, you know, the thing that gets me is we're burning cleaner today than we have in 40 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at trucks today, the new engines today, I mean, there's there's like, you know, almost zero you know, carbon monoxides and, and, and the dangerous gases. And the thing is, you know, when you take low sulfur fuel, low sulfur fuel per BTU per gallon used is so much less with no lubrication, which means you're not going to have as much of a runtime on that particular engine. And But they are burning cleaner. I will give them that. I mean, you very, you know, in the old days, a good old kitty cat would billow out black smoke but, I mean, these new engines are burning more efficiently. But the problem of it is they're using less BTUs, which means it's a teeter. What are you going to do? Pay your miles per gallon used versus transportation of the heavier weights. And I, I, I agree I agree with your, your, you know, your guest there. Um, and, he under, and, I, and I think he has a good understanding of what we're up against because the technology to bring trucks up to those standards is going to be very expensive. Plus, Caterpillar left the Class 8 industry in the United States because 
they couldn't meet the particular standards. Detroit, Cummins, Paycar actually came out with an engine that could. But the problem of it is, if they take these standards to, um, you know, take them beyond what is attainable, then we're not going to have any engine we can buy. And we're going to have to put add-ons, and that's where I come up with the 30,000. That that was not just me. I got a lot of emails today in this discussion about this, and I talked to some people that work like at, you know, Johnson & Towers, for example, big Detroit dealer. And, you know, they're going like, we can't get the newer model 60 series Detroit to the standards that they're calling for. Well, what is the standard? Nobody has set the standard. So, you know, if you don't have a number to be attainable, what is the number we're going for? 9, 10, 10.5? These are the numbers I've heard in Washington. I don't think you're going you have to look at the whole industry. I can take and hold potato chips all day long on a new modern truck, like Jeff was talking about, you know, the newer engines in the newer trucks haul potato chips, 15,000, 16,000 pounds. Yeah, I'm going to get good fuel mileage. But what if I'm hauling steel and I'm at 80,000 pounds, which the government wants to go to 90,000, am I going to get that same mile per gallon? No, I'm not going to get it. So what do we have to do? It's unattainable. And that's the problem I have with because not everybody will have the money to retrofit or if the new trucks they purchase with the new technology, I don't think it's got to be based on the BTU purse weight. And I don't think you're going to get it. I think it's unattainable. And and I ask your, well, uh, I ask your, your you know, your guest, does he agree with me? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, certainly I mean, it's unattainable I... across the whole board. I mean, just, I mean, it, the terrain you're driving in, the weather you're driving in, the weight you're hauling. I mean, across the entire board of the industry, yes, un- unattainable. But go ahead, Anthony. I'll, I didn't mean to jump in. No, that, that's okay. Uh, it, that's really. Th- this was interesting. Uh, that happened to me on Monday. Um, I was speaking to a, a, one of these head technicians for a very large organization relating to the engine efficiencies, and I don't want to mention their names as respect, but uh, you know they're trying to go to 10W30 weight oil, okay, from a 1540, yeah. just to get a tenth of a mile or a one percent fuel increase, okay? Yep. Uh, I mean. Okay, that sounds great, but the the lubrici- the oil degrades fast enough that now you're going to create other problems. Now you, yep. yeah, we saved fuel, but guess what? We just did to the operator. We just caused a bunch of maintenance issues down the road. Right. So you have to justify the lighter weight oils, and when you change from synthetic, petroleum, whatever you use, you're going to have to make an alter alterization in your infrastructure or your preventative maintenance uh, schedule. And where does it really balance? And that's the question. Yes. You know, I, I respect I respect my my uh, my peers in the industry. Uh, you know, from uh, uh, what is it, Truck TV, the the good guy. Uh, oh, uh, he's the other uh, bandit out there that's always talking. Kevin Rutherford. You yeah. Know, he's always trying to consult, right. to give you 
an operational scope of how to manage your business. And, and he, he's not pinpointing. He's saying, if you do this, then you've got to also do these other things so you can create this equilibrium and equalization throughout this whole, your business model. Because you're all different. Everyone's different. Absolutely. Right. Right. Well, listen, uh, I'm kind of watching the time. We're kind of winding down here. But uh, just here, Anthony, uh, final here as we wind down, can, uh, can you just give some of our listeners an example of um, what kind of dollars they can save, what kind of expenses they can save on a truck uh, using the technology through uh, onboard oil tech? Yes. Uh, qu- a quick example. Cummins ISX 2013 roughly got uh, 300,000 miles on it. Um, we, we've been able to increase their efficiencies right almost to 11 cents a mile. That's oil, fuel, and death usage. And that doesn't take into consideration anything else, meaning that, uh, you know, what's, what's his downtime or where, where you know, we, we haven't been on there long enough to identify, you know, where's the maintenance protocol at a half a million or 750,000 miles. But uh, the DPF went in for a test. We had a filter test on that. It tested fairly clean because of the way the system works that uh, wasn't showing clogging to, to have the restrictions. And, you know, we've heard it from another listener that was speaking that said, you know, trucks are shutting down. Well, they're because they're getting smarter, they're telling us more information. We just need to learn how to understand that information and what that means. And a lot of that can be that DPF filter because it just gets restricted and it can back up the system. So it needs to go through a regen process and then therefore you can take off again. But the point is, is we're anywhere from, we're, we're any for, we're, our goal is to try to get the owner operator, doesn't matter what type of truck they're running, um, if, if they follow our program and follow the protocol, they can see anywhere between about $16,500 every 150,000 miles. Wow. All right. So, and uh, we've got trucks. That's impressive. That, yeah. You know, yeah. All right, and uh, so the, the oh, go ahead. It, it's a it's a new it's a com. We're not just fuel. That's what the misconception is. We're not fuel. We're not oil. We're not electronic. We're not exhaust. We are a combination. It's the the connection points that we use and the way the system is designed. It's helping to increase the efficiencies of the engine without tapping into all of the diagnostics without altering or tampering with uh, additive packages, stabilizers, injectors, lubricants, or additives. We don't do any of that. And that's why I think that this is so valuable to a lot of the owner-operators is because of its simplicity. And therefore, we don't put ourselves at risk because somebody's running an AMSOIL additive or somebody's running a Rotella and somebody's adding titanium to their, you know, their conical Phillips blend just to increase some of the, you know, the additive package. Um, so, you know, that's, that's why we're really unique and we feel we have a very niche market on this innovation. But we did it simplicity. We know it's value to the operators and we need it simple and we need it so it's easy for them to adapt. All right. Well, listen, I, I appreciate you coming on this evening, and uh, we could have used a lot more time. This is a pretty deep subject, but uh, I appreciate you joining us. And, again, your site is onboardoiltech.com. Uh, is that the best way for people to contact you if they need to? Yes. 
Okay, yeah. onboardoiltech.com, Anthony Evans. All right, thanks, Anthony. I really appreciate you being here this evening. Yeah, thank you all. I really appreciate being on the show. Thanks so much. It was nice uh-huh. we'll have you ba- we'll have you back on again and uh uh Richard thanks for hanging on so long getting in here I mean I don't know if you heard you know our other guest Samuel Burleson of uh extremeenergysolutions.net he was uh sounding a lot like you I mean the first thing he started off with was you know hey drivers can make their voices heard through this rulemaking you know through comments and everything I'm sitting here thinking man he sounds just like Richard Wilson he does, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and that's why I've been putting that out there, you know, and Donald will tell you, and, and, and you know yourself, um, that's the kind of stuff I put out there. Uh, I was I was very, very happy the last exact meeting. I talked to FMCSA, and they explained to me they wanted documents, so I had people that wanted to speak, sent me their information. I typed it. I sent it to them. Um, they love that. They accept it. And, you know, through your radio show and my radio show, we need to get more drivers, company or, you know, owner-operators. You know, send us some information. If they're not comfortable with it, I know Donna, I know you, Alan, I know me. We will type it up and we will submit it for them because we need to get these drivers involved. You know, they are the experts. We have a... You know, we have a lot of experts out there, and, 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 you know, they can give factual data of what's going on with them. You know, both Jeffs, um, you know, I, I highly respect both of them and their opinions, and I've used their, their data, you know, at times, you know, going to Washington. So that's one thing. We have to nip this in the bud. If not, we're going to run into a big problem, and we're going to have to accept what's thrown at us. And you and Donna and I all know that's not the way we need to have this happen because that's dangerous. They will pass their own rules, but when you have, you know, numbers of people sending in their comments, maybe, and they're experienced, and give, give us their details, we can maybe... Nowadays, we're starting to get a little bit more um, notoriety. We might be able to get some of this stuff changed, and it's starting to work. Yeah, and we harp on it a lot, you know. You know let let them hear from drivers, but you know, it, but it really it really does help. Hey, I'm glad you brought up your radio show. I didn't have time on our last show, but tell us real quick. Uh, we're winding down here with time, but tell us real quick. You know, your your radio show. Where can people hear you when it's on? All that good stuff. We're, we are. We now have a weekly radio show on Genesis Radio on Saturday between uh, 1 to 3 Central, 2 to 4 Eastern Time. Uh, it's called the Center Lane Show. They can go on Genesis Radio, um, and they can click on and listen to us live. We have just picked up another 120 affiliate stations that are broadcasting our show. Uh, it's about trucking, uh, just like your show um that's why i love coming on because it's like so similar we we're kind of like in the same ballpark well this is the kind of stuff we talk about we'd love to have people call in they can call in at 877-807-4048 give their opinions we're open for you know it's a truckers show we're trying to put out there on mainstream radio that they can be heard because as you and Donna and I know, we need 
a forum for truckers to be able to discuss current issues, and we have moved ourselves into that point to where we're taking this to nationally syndicated broadcasting, and it's not like some of the, you know, so-called uh, Sirius XM sites that are like more about entertainment. This is raw trucking issues, and I want to thank you, Alan, for even asking me about that. But it's Center Lane Show, Saturday, 2 to, two to 4 Eastern, 1 to 3 Central, and it's all about current trucking issues. Thanks. Okay, on, on Genesis Radio. Yeah, I meant to ask you last time, but we just ran out of time. I know, I know you did. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been friends with you guys, and you know I'll always be here to help you out and um but yeah we're 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 trying to take the trucker's voice to to national syndication we want to get more people out there involved and we want to try to make their life a little bit better all right sounds good well thanks for thanks for jumping in here this evening i really appreciate it we'll stay in touch and good luck with you and we'll be watching you and if i can uh uh, work on saturday but hey is it is it is it recorded can you go back and hear it later Yes, they can go to uh, oh. Genesis Live and then go and look at, the, click on the Center Lane show, look at archives, and all of our uh, shows are archived. Okay, yeah, I thought so. I thought I'd seen that like that. All right, Richard, yeah. thanks. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Thank you, and have a great night. All right, you Thank too. You. Thank and, uh, you. And all right, hey, we'll, t- we'll take a quick break. Donna, you have some announcements, right? Yeah, uh-huh. Well, you, you didn't say that very authoritative. Well, I'm uh, I'm looking for my announcements, everybody. You're in a daze over there. Well, listen, we'll take a quick break and let Donna come out of her daze and find her announcements, and we'll wrap up this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. Be right back. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas, but they never work for trucking companies. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-2000. 
888-345-5503. And when you call truckerlawyers.com, be sure to mention that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Now, back to the show. All right, I think Donna found her announcement. Donna, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I was panicking for a minute there. Uh, <laughs> well, I want to start out tonight. First of all, I want to thank um, Anthony Evans from on, uh, Onboard Oil Tech and Sam Burlam from Extreme Energy Solutions and, speak up. and Richard Wilson for coming on tonight. Um, you know, it really probably needed another hour or more than that to really get into all this, but I think... to create initially the awareness like we so often do on different topics. Um, And then you you get your kind of your mind going and it creates questions and then you're ready for the next show. But I'd like to thank everybody. I also want to thank uh, everybody who supports professional drivers by uh, supporting us and what we do both on the radio, on the blog. Uh, And I'm going to give a shout-out to them all right now. Of course, uh, we have uh, Onboard Oil Tech uh, as a supporter, Vorblade.com, Pinnacle Truck Driver Training, Trucker to Trucker, Truckers, Trucker Justice Center, Truck Help, Go CDL Jobs, TCRG Consulting, Tony Justice Music, Lake Cumberland Training School, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing, uh, Trucker Lawyers, Truckers America, I mean, these are all people that um, are, are on board with us with uh, supporting drivers that believe in the transparency and honesty in, in uh, social media and just getting the word out. So uh, we're very grateful uh, to all of them. I also want to uh, bring up the Missing Truck Driver Alert Network and uh, just mention some of the sponsors who are who are sponsoring this vital need of truckers that go missing. Um, we have uh, S the Trucker. Lightning Logistics, Go CDL Jobs, Infinity Sales, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing, TruckerLawyers.com, Trucker to Trucker, Vorblade, Trucker's Edge, Cobra, and Legal Shield, and, and these are truly people who um, who are supporting the causes. Uh, also, I want to just mention um, the. Um, Truckers Against Trafficking, uh, if you don't know what that is, that's uh, the human, human trafficking epidemic that goes on in this country. It's, it's huge. It's only second to, I believe, drugs as far as, uh, as uh, the, the money that's made on, on this kind of, uh, uh, what would you call it, the, between the prostitution, forced labor, and the truckers are ban- coming together and helping to prevent this, and uh, Kyla Lieberg over at uh, Truckers Against Trafficking is doing an incredible job with her with her sister and her mom, and you need to go over to there and just see what's going on with the Truckers Against Trafficking website. I also want to give a shout out to our good friend Tony Justice over at um, TonyJusticeMusic.com, and uh, most of the people listening uh, already know about his new CD release, Apple Pie Moonshine. Um, it's at all the truck stops. So um, if you haven't gotten it yet, you really need to. Uh, I hear that they keep running out, but they're filling those shelves up. So uh, get your copy. And I'm not sure if, Alan, if you're playing 
his song tonight, but I know last week you did, and boy, is that that's some CD. I hope everybody can get a copy of that. I uh, just want to thank everybody for um, for all their, their for listening and being part of the chat room, and we appreciate it. That's all. Well. Well, you well, that, well, you ended that real quick. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're winding down over there. Yeah, I think so. What happened? You get worn out on me? Uh, no, no, no. I'm good. I get I get all intense before the show, and then and then I just kind of wind down. You just kind of mellowing out over there. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. All the listeners, the chat room, we appreciate it. Special thanks to Samuel Burlam of ExtremeEnergySolutions.net and Anthony Evans of OnboardOilTech.com for being on the show. Be sure to check out their sites and see what they do for innovation within the industry. And uh, Jeff Clark, Jeff Barker, everybody online, and uh, appreciate you tuning in. So that will do it for this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. I'm Alan Smith along with Donna Smith, and we will catch you next time. Everybody uh, out there, be safe, and have, have a great evening. Driving these rigs since 79 Never got a ticket, never crossed the line Dinner's on the table, but it's gonna get cold Gotta get going, I've got freight too low Well, I was running through Atlanta doing 58 A four-wheeler cut me off, so I slammed my brakes Well, the truck went left, but the trailer threw right and I saw my life flash before my eyes I'm just trying to make a living Running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands Can't get no helping hand Lord have mercy on the The trucking brand Fighting the wheel And the next thing I know I hit the sidewalk And over I go Falling so fast I had no time to scream Burning hot metal Flying all around me Well I laid there for a minute Living out of my head Not knowing if I was alive or dead The highway patrol said Let me give you a hand and he laughed and said, son, you better check your pants I'm just trying to make a living Running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands Can't get no helping hand Lord, have mercy on the The trucking brand at me and my burning rig checked out the damage that was done to the bridge feeling a little crazy and dizzy in the head barely heard the words that officer said ten thousand dollar fine and your CDL is gone better call your mama to 
come take you home Three million miles and never a glitch The four-wheeler only got a slap on the wrist I'm trying to make a living running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand Lord have mercy on us the trucking brand Oh, the trucking brand Lord, have mercy on the The trucking brand 